Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 95, Paradise Lost, Book 9. Evil Enthralled, Evil Enthralling. It is time to express a dialectical tension that has been building from the very first lines of Paradise Lost. It is dialectical both because it is a story, a logically connected narrative, and because it is an oscillating opposition, a contradiction when we are deceitful, but in truth, a paradox. In this episode, I will try to paint in detail what I mean in the character of Satan, the tempter, the arch-fiend, in this the climactic moment of this epic poem. To enthrall means both to be delighted by something and to enslave. The interplay between these meanings in Book 9 will be instructive. Satan, having fled from Gabriel at the end of Book 4, now returns to Eden, quote, improved in meditated fraud and malice. We have seen the progressive decline in beauty, power, and status in Satan wrought by sin's degradation. But his mind is more active, sharper, and subtler by constant, restless plotting and suspicion, and never-ending fear of exposure. Quote, By night he fled, and at midnight returned, cautious of day. The space of seven continued nights he rode with darkness, and by stealth found unsuspected way into Eden. He chooses the serpent, quote, after long debate, irresolute of thoughts revolved, fittest imp of fraud in whom to enter, and his dark suggestions hide from sharpest sight, end quote. Irresolution. The inability to decide is also a sign of the sin-altered consciousness. How does one choose when, in one's soul, value itself is in doubt? His resolution thus comes at a cost. Quote, thus he resolved, but first from inward grief his bursting passion into plaints thus poured. What his passion pours forth is at first a paean to earth and creation. Quote, productive in herb, plant, and nobler birth of creatures animate with gradual life of growth, sense, reason, all summed up in man. With what delight could I have walked thee round if I could joy in aught? Sweet interchange of hill and valley, rivers, woods, and plains, now land, now sea, and shores with forest-crowned, rocks, dens, and caves. His deep appreciation of earth displays the lie of what follows, as we shall also see later. But I in none of these find place or refuge. And the more I see pleasures about me, so much more I feel torment within me, as from the hateful siege of contraries. All good to me becomes bane. The good of earth he sees as good, properly valuing it, declaring that he could delight in it. His words here reflect the deep contradiction in which he exists, his mind its own place, as he said in Book One. The earth is beautiful, striking, enthralling, that is, 
good. Yet that good becomes bane. How? Through the twisted Hegelian logic, the, quote, hateful siege of contraries in his mind. This theme of self-torture, self-deception, is echoed throughout the poem, as we have seen. In Book 4, he said, if we remember, Farewell, remorse, all good to me is lost, evil be thou my good. What Satan continually seeks to hide from himself is his self-choice, his continually renewed denial of good of evident reality. He constantly and consistently narrates to himself the oppression, his victimization that necessitates his being as he is, all the while knowing his self-choice, his faith. Quote, but neither here seek I, no, nor in heaven to dwell, unless by mastering heaven supreme nor hope to be myself less miserable by what I seek, but others to make such as I, though thereby worse to me redound. For only in destroying I find ease to my relentless thoughts. Adam's choice must mirror Satan's own. Adam must destroy himself and God's creation along with him, and he must do so knowing he chose evil for good, chose Satan's image in place of God's. Quote, One to what may work his utter loss, for whom all this was made, all this will soon follow, as to him linked in weal or woe. In woe, then, that destruction wide may range. The only salve for Satan's relentless thoughts is to spread those relentless, self-punishing thoughts to others, to make others like himself, and thereby to destroy, to undo the reality he rejects, the reality that gives rise to those relentless thoughts, the good he both acknowledges and denies. The embrace of contradiction that is denial of the good. As Goethe later puts into the mouth of Mephistopheles, his Satan figure, I am the spirit that negates, and rightly so, for all that comes to be deserves to perish wretchedly. T'were better, nothing would begin. Thus everything that your terms, sin, destruction, evil represent, that is my proper element. There is good reason that Marx loved this quote. It is satanic in its very essence. Satan seeks here to join himself to Adam. He is free to choose, even now, to link himself by choice of good, or ill. There is no necessity here, only the will determining itself in its free choice. And whatever Satan may say, however he may rationalize, he is aware of his free choice. He knows the good. He sees the good. He experiences the good. 
yet he chooses opposition to God, to the good. In woe, then, that destruction wide may range. Satan is under no necessity to choose as he does, to contradict nature and reason, his own and that of creation, by choosing woe both for himself and everyone else he can drag down with him. It is this very oscillating contradiction of reason and nature that I find the fundamental characteristic of evil in Paradise Lost. What is its motive? God created man, Satan says, to spite us more, determined to advance into our room a creature formed of earth and him endow with heavenly spoils. Our spoils and, oh, indignity, subjected to his service, angel wings. Of these, the vigilance I dread, and to elude, thus wrapped in mist of midnight vapor, glide obscure and pry in every bush and brake, where hap may find the serpent sleeping in whose mazy folds to hide me, and the dark intent I bring. O foul descent, that I, who erst contended with gods to sit the highest, am now constrained into a beast, this essence, that to the height of deity aspired. But what will not ambition and revenge ascend to? Revenge, at first though sweet, bitter ere long, back on itself recoils. Let it, I reck not, so it light well aimed. Spite, then with spite, is best repaid. God's injurious spite requires spite in return. Satan acknowledges both in action and word his dark intent, but he projects his own twisted motivations in bad faith onto God. It is bad faith because he knows better. He elevates his reason above reality itself, the evident, the real boundaries provided by goodness. It is wounded pride improper self-love, elevating the real self, a valuable part of a greater structure, to the rationally imagined status of self as the whole, the highest value. It is worth our while to turn our attention to a passage from Jean-Paul Sartre's Being and Nothingness. Bad faith does not hold the norms and criteria of truth as they are accepted by the critical thought of good faith. What it decides first, in fact, is the nature of truth. With bad faith, a truth appears, a method of thinking. The ontological characteristic of the world of bad faith, with which the subject suddenly surrounds himself, is this, that here being is what it is not, and is not what it is. Consequently, a peculiar type of evidence appears, non-persuasive evidence, 
Bad faith apprehends evidence, but it is resigned in advance to not being fulfilled by this evidence, to not being persuaded and transformed into good faith. It is not ignorant, it says, that faith is decision, and that after each intuition, it must decide and will what it is. Thus bad faith, in its primitive project and in its coming into the world, decides on the exact nature of its requirements. It stands forth in the final resolution not to demand too much, to count itself satisfied when it is barely persuaded, to force itself in decisions to adhere to uncertain truths. Once this mode of being has been realized, it is as difficult to get out of it as to wake oneself up. Bad faith is a type of being in the world, like waking or dreaming, which by itself tends to perpetuate itself. It is this character, I contend, that Milton is here attributing to Satan and which I have argued is characteristic of Hegelian reasoning. The collective psychosis into which nearly our whole contemporary culture has fallen, most markedly on the political left. As Sartre says here, it is a method of thinking, a chosen belief based on manipulated evidence for a conclusion that one has in imagination willed to be truth, often in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. In Paradise Lost, Satan of all characters knows God's goodness, yet he denies it, attributing to God his own evil motives. This choice of one's being, this way of reasoning, Sartre tells us, is self-perpetuating a nearly inescapable, self-imposed, rational trap, a lived contradiction, which we have elsewhere called the way of Cain. As a final illustration, we turn to the prelude to Eve's temptation, when Satan first comes upon her working alone, quote, from her best prop, Adam, so far, and Storm, so nigh. Much he that is Satan, the place admired, the person more. From each thing met conceives delight, she most, and in her looks sums all delight. Such pleasure took the serpent to behold this flowery plat, the sweet recess of Eve thus early, thus alone, her heavenly form angelic, but more soft and feminine, her graceful innocence, her every air of gesture or least action, overawed his malice, and with rapine sweet bereaved his fierceness of the fierce intent it brought. That space the evil one abstracted stood from his own evil, and for the time remained stupidly good, of enmity disarmed, of guile, of hate, of envy, of revenge.
Thus the tempter becomes the tempted. Evil for good, good for evil. The language Milton chooses is important. Satan is violently seized with rapine sweet, captured against his will by goodness. He is overawed by her evident goodness, captured involuntarily by her beauty, overwhelming his intent to harm. He stands abstracted from his own evil and stupidly good. So much for the carefully cultivated self-image, the lie that, quote, all good to me is lost. Nature and rationality together have unavoidably commanded a recognition of truth, for a moment revealing the reality that underlies the choice of evil, its parasitic negation of the good. For a moment, Satan awakens from his self-imposed nightmare, enthralled by goodness. However, his hyper-rationalization, the imaginative narrative by which he justifies his self-deception, the bad faith in which he chooses to live, reasserts itself. Quote, But the hot hell that always in him burns soon ended his delight and tortures him now more, the more he sees of pleasure, not for him ordained. Then soon fierce hate he recollects, and all his thoughts of mischief, saying, Thoughts, whither have ye led me? With what sweet compulsion thus transported, to forget what hither brought us? Hate, not love, nor hope of paradise for hell, Hope here to taste of pleasure, but all pleasure to destroy, save what is in destroying. Other joy to me is lost. The fall of man consisted in becoming enthralled by evil's deceptive appearance of goodness. In the coming books, we will see how man's fall differed from Satan's. In Book 1, Satan said that he chose to reign free in hell rather than serve in heaven. But it now becomes clear that he is a slave in either case, compelled to serve either good or evil, and free to choose which, but always compelled to serve. We are enthralled by what enthralls us and we will serve whatever we conceive as our highest value. Our freedom consists in choosing what or who we serve. But we are never free from service. In service of evil, we live the contradiction of desiring that which we seek to destroy. True slavery. When I chose to again follow Christ, Passing through the looking glass in 2019 with the love of my life, Jenny, I was enthralled by Christ's beauty, his love, his goodness, both in himself and in his creation. And to that goodness, I am enthralled, enslaved. All my heart, soul, and being are his. I am not 
my own. I have been bought with a price. We human beings are born slaves, with the freedom to choose our master. But there is no freedom from slavery. This is the unavoidable paradox of truth and reality. In our slavery to the good, to God, we are truly free, truly rational. I choose the God of this universe, creator and sustainer, both now and forever, as my Lord. For he is beauty, he is truth, he is value itself, author of all that I desire and seek. I look to Jesus, and in my thraldom, I am enthralled. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.